We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode 64. I'm Rando. I'm Corey. And this is our sun safety special. You know, that sun's getting out there. Yeah. I mean, I noticed a lot of the TV meteorologists were telling everybody, make sure you wear sunscreen this past weekend, you know, for Easter. Yeah. And I know some people who did, and they still got a little bit of sun, a little bit of color on their face. Well, I mean, the the sun, we, we've passed the spring equinox, yeah. so now the days are getting longer, the sun is getting more intense. And speaking of Easter, happy Easter. Yeah, we had some fun. We went to Oklahoma and nice. hunted some Easter eggs and had some dinner with Grandma and had a good old time. Omelets? No. No, okay. <laughs> you know, those Easter eggs, you never know if they're... If they're edible or not. <laughs> Some people eat them, I don't. No. A lot of the times I just stuff plastic eggs with candy or money. That's what my kids get. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, that's, that's how, I mean, I don't have any kids, so I, to me, Easter eggs. I saw this funny meme, uh, what is it, last Easter or some Easter where it was really snowing, and they said they're going to make Easter really fun because they're not even going to color the Easter eggs. They're all going to be white in the white snow. I'd that, like to do that. That would be fun. <laughs> I would love to do that. And also today is Earth Day, so happy Earth Day. March, or March, April 22nd, that is Earth Day every yeah. year. So I, I see a bunch of Earth Day celebrations and how to how to improve uh, the environment and just tips and on, on Facebook about, uh, and there's some stuff about global warming on there today and just, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things we can do to make a difference in, in the Earth. Exactly, and plant a tree. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, That's just, a great one. Just a tree. Uh, if that would change the world right it, there. It really would. I mean, they're cutting down all the trees. Uh, if, if everyone or every household plants a tree, I mean, think of how it'd be in 15 years. It'd be sure. awesome. Absolutely. I mean, the, the earth is in fairly good shape. I mean, uh, especially around here, I, I've been driving around uh, Branson and Taney County and going to Springfield and stuff. You know, spring has this different green color it's a bright new green type of thing all the trees are budding and it's just really pretty going through these hills on 65 yesterday i drove past a canola field i don't know if you've ever seen a canola field i have it the brightest yellowish green you'd ever see it looks almost fake but it's completely real it's a fluorescent actually i should have took a picture it's really pretty though well, go back. I'll continue the podcast. You okay. can go back I'll and see take you later. It's probably glowing in the dark right now. <laughs> well, yeah, it might be. <laughs> yeah, but this uh, this Easter weather, you know, I've been seeing a whole bunch of things, uh, news agencies and stuff, and weather local weather people saying this is, you know, kind of a not unusual, but it's the first time in a while we've had eighty degree weather on Easter. It's usually been like cold and but it's also the latest Easter's been in a long time too. Oh really? Yeah. Sometimes you know sometimes it's in March. Sometimes it's in early April. Really? So the later part in April, you know, you're sure you get warmer temps, you know? Well yeah. So sometimes it's in March? It all depends on the phase of the moon or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because we had a great moon the other night. My gosh. Yeah. What was that? What was it called? It was called something, and I don't remember what. Oh. It wasn't a super moon or anything, but it was nice. It was just like two degrees off from being a super moon from what I saw. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I came home from my show, and I looked up in the sky, and the clouds were like kind of alto cumulus, zero cumulus clouds. I think they were alto cumulus, just phasing through that moon. And I just stood there for like a minute and just stared at it. I was like, that's really cool. And we got a nice uh, morning picture, uh, morning sunrise picture from Aaron Johnson in Tatingville. That Did you see that? You know what? I saw that live. 
Oh. I was taking kids to school and I saw that live, but I was not, I didn't have a good photographer's view of it like that, that, that guy did. Oh, yeah. I was driving, of course. And right when I see a great picture, there's always trees or hills right in the way. You know? Of course. You know? so, <laughs> That's the way it works. Yeah, I'm glad someone <laughs> did capture that, though. Oh, it, it was great. And I, I mean, <clears throat> he posted to the Southwest Missouri group, and uh, and if, I just caught it late, later, much later today. I mean, of course, we approved the the, the posts in the groups, uh, which you know keeps the riffraff out. So we need to we need to do that. So, but if we missed it, and of course Easter, I was with my mother. Uh, we were up there. We went to Lowe's. We went to the nursery. Got her a whole bunch of flowers. Uh, just basically wore her out. It was wow. awesome. Yeah. You know, and I didn't think, you know, usually. Many years ago, many, many years ago, um, places were closed on holidays and stuff. Like Easter, nothing would be open, maybe the restaurants. But basically, everything was open. The nursery was open. Lowe's was every, Everything was open. Yeah. And so I kept asking her. She wanted to go to these, go to Lowe's. I said, is it open? She goes, yeah. I'm like, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wore her out, and she's, you know, painting her uh, wrought iron out in the front yard or on the on the front porch or whatever and i told her well today was a great day to do it because we're getting ready to go into a kind of wet period you know this is not it's not a washout that's what i was getting ready to say yeah i'm not seeing any washout days I mean, the, the the gulf is opening at the door to us with moisture it's coming yeah. it's going to be coming up but uh, I, I, I'm ready for a good rain. I'm yeah, make a wash. I'm ready for a washout. Actually, well, maybe that's in May. Maybe that's our May washout. I don't know. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean we're talking we're talking low amounts. This is the, the pattern this week: Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, it, it's just going to be kind of off and on. There's a boundary that's kind of draped across the area, and that and that's just going to be a focal point for little waves of energy just kind of move through. You know, it'll shower a little bit, then go away and shower. So I don't even think we're, we may not even get a half inch out of this thing by Thursday. I hope so. Yeah, I saw a National Weather Service graphic. They said 0.04 for Branson. <laughs> that's not much. Yeah, you know, I saw that. I saw something similar with KY3. They had like... Three quarters of an inch for Harrison, and 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 uh, half an inch for Ozark, and but but there was this little light area around Branson, like a dome. <laughs> the dome, zero point one four for Branson, just for a little area of Branson, a little circle around Branson. Right, right. Like, what would make their models pick out <laughs> that little area and say, ah, you, not for you guys. No, but everybody else around you, yes. you're going to get like deluge and flooding. But Branson, <laughs> now we're going to be, you know, spring and sunny. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's a little misleading, be, you know, for, on their part, because you got to kind of make it a, a wider spread <laughs> type of thing. You, you can't just go with a model, a model, is a suggestion of what is going to happen, not what is going to happen. So I, you know, inch, three quarters inch for Harrison, yeah, not, not seeing that. But, I mean, on and off showers, if, if we get a good, you know, third to half, I mean, I'd, I'd be good with that. It's going to make those uh, you know, the grass and the trees grow and the green and everything like that. But uh, what happened last week, we got a round of severe weather moving through here. So we got a couple, what is it, a couple of confirmed tornadoes going on? Yeah, a couple of frontline spin-up tornadoes. They're very small, uh, but they persisted for a few minutes anyway. Uh, over in, uh, I think these were in Dade County. It started as a warning in uh, Jasper, Dade, and possibly Lawrence. I can't remember. Yeah, I kind of saw that line, and it was trucking. It was moving. Yeah, and, and that's and that's exactly what we were talking about earlier that day. You know, if we because at night, though, that cluster of thunderstorms is going to congeal into we call what we call a QLCS or a line, and if there's some bow echoes then you have that potential for some frontliners. And that's exactly what happened. A big bow echo came just north of Joplin. I think that yeah. tornado warning was just north of Joplin. It, it was uh, north of Carthage in that area Carthage. there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then, then went up there. Um, but uh, the National Weather Service uh, at 12.50 at West Lockwood in EF0, which is uh, 75 mile an hour winds, and uh, path was about yeah, two miles, and the width was 50 yards. So, I mean, you know, like you just said, these are weak tornadoes. Um, Ten minutes later, they said North Greenfield, because that's getting cold. It's Lawrence County. They're getting close to Springfield at that point. Um, uh, an EF0 again, 65 mile an hour, which is, you know, we had wind gusts greater than that the, <laughs> the other day. Yeah. It was going to, uh, then the path length was about a mile, and width was 200 yards. So these... You know, these were small... I mean, they're still tornadoes. We're not downplaying them. But, you know, there's probably some damage out of those things. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, showery period, and there you go. So, uh, are you sneezing? No, you're not sneezing because you're not allergic to anything. Not too much. Yeah. But I got to tell you, this past week or so, um, my allergies have been pretty good. And I think because juniper, I think I'm allergic to juniper because when juniper was was budding, blooming, pollinating, whatever they call it, I was just nuts, you know, taking my antihistamine and just, but I haven't taken one in about a week. Wow. And we're high right now. In fact, we're double now what we were just this past Friday, double in tree pollen right now. Oh, those things are taken off. I think it was Ash Ash L. Elder, alder, alderberry, alder, uh, yeah, yeah, like and, and uh, yeah. So, you know, but I want to play this because I just can't. <laughs> I just like that. I got to play that. <laughs> but yeah, Hope I mean, it's not contagious. No, that that that's true. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, I will say though, with this system coming in uh, late tonight. I mean, we're recording this at nine o'clock. Um, but, you know, they're talking maybe a little 20% chance of something coming in. And then tomorrow we're going to have clouds and some rain. So that's going to lower that pollen uh, for a couple of days, uh, at least through Thursday. And uh, Friday is going to be, you know, back up to pretty high. So I don't know. And like you said, tree pollen is just out of control. And uh, grasses are moderate because people are mowing their lawns and everybody's getting their green green lawns going on and everything but uh, anyway this is our sun safety special edition so we have a very special guest with us today uh actually pre-recorded uh my dermatologist uh, some interesting facts uh you'll find out in this uh great in Can't this wait. interview but uh yeah all if you want to know all about the sun all about skin cancer what you can do to protect yourself from skin cancer um all sorts of stuff. So let's get to that. Stormdark special guest. On this special guest segment, I am thrilled to have someone who knows a lot more about the effects of the sun on our skin than me. <laughs> we have with us today Dr. Christopher Wilbers, a dermatologist at Farrell Duncan's in Springfield. So, Dr. Wilbers, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Great, great, great. Yes, I know uh, we are, uh, the uh, spring is here, the sun is out, people are at the lake, and they are laying out and grabbing the sun, and I think I know what you might say about that, but that's probably not the best thing that they should do. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Boy, it, it was it was a be- it was a beautiful day out there today for sure. Just the classic spring day, wasn't it? It oh it sure goodness. was. We're kind of so, going into the thermal slingshot right now. I mean, we're gonna you know we had snow on Sunday, and today we're you know close to eighty. It's it's just nuts out there. Now I know. Uh, I have to tell everyone, you are my dermatologist, and uh, we I had a visit with you a few weeks ago and uh, found out you are also interested in weather. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually my first uh, major in college uh, uh, at the University of Missouri, uh, low these many years ago. So, uh, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, and but but that just wasn't probably. The, what wasn't your goal I, at that time? <laughs> well, I, you know, it. I, I would. I thought it was just wonderful. I uh, 
grew up in uh, Mexico, Missouri, and we uh, got some of the St. Louis uh, uh, television stations there. And uh, I remember one of the uh, on, you know, television meteorologists uh, who, you know, had uh, actually had a degree in meteorology. And as, as you know, back in the, you know, 70s and 80s, that that was not all that common. And right. a lot of folks were just sort of a, uh, you know, a weather announcer rather than being particularly knowledgeable about the weather. And uh, I I thought, well, that's that's pretty cool. And so I thought, I you know, I'm, I like weather. I love being outdoors. I spent a couple of summers out on my dad's uh, farm and just love that, you know, being able to watch the sky and see whether, you know, events moving through. And uh, so I thought, hi, that's that's what I'm going to do, because I, I figured it was uh, also a great way to use science to help people. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and so it was it just fit a lot of my interest. And so. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I declared as a, as a major going into the University of Missouri, which meant I was in the School of Agriculture and got an introductory uh, meteorology course and uh, a lot of uh, physics uh, and chemistry to go along with that. And it was actually just the uh, pain of going through freshman level physics that kind of made me think, rethink my major. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just I knew I was going to have four years of, you know, more and more advanced physics and fluid dynamics. And, and it just uh, I was like, I you know, I, I love, you know, the, the subject matter, but it was just I just was uh, uh, it was kind of taught at that level as kind of a weed out. And I, I just felt like I don't know if I can take four years of kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, of, of that sort of uh, thrashing. And so uh, so I decided to look at you know, other strengths that I had and, and biology was, uh, felt like a really uh, natural fit for me. And so I changed my major to biology and then again, trying to figure out how I could use biology to, to help people. I had a great example in my dad of, a uh, of a, uh, of a wonderful caring physician. And so that was, uh, the direction that, I decided to go, um, much to my parents' uh, uh, pleasure. They they knew that I was not necessarily going to college to become a physician, but uh, oh, they were yeah. pretty happy with that with that phone call when I announced the change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know, I know exactly what you mean because I've I've been totally fascinated in weather since I was thirteen and thought about mm. becoming a me- meteorologist. But then I, like you said, you know, then I looked. You have to have physics and calculus and fluid dynamics. And and all this, you know, it took me two times in college to pass the baby math class. And, mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. I said, maybe yeah. that's not for, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm a musician, so I've been playing since I was three and a half. So, you know, music is my life. So I decided to make weather my passion and music my career. It sounds like you made dermatology your career and weather is another passion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Discovered uh, dermatology, you know, along the way. It wasn't the uh, necessarily what I went to medical school to become. Hmm. Uh, but you know, the the interesting thing about that is that, of course, the, our skin is kind of the organ of the body that really interfaces with the environment. And I didn't actually have that in mind when I, you know, per- decided to pursue dermatology. But, uh, you know, it, that's the part of us that encounters the weather, that encounters the, uh, uh, the, uh, the you know, all of the other insults that come along with uh, our environment. And, uh, uh, and uh, so it's uh, it's actually probably the the closest you know the closest that I could come in medicine to you know to uh, uh, to really being directly related to uh, to weather and uh, other environmental factors. Um, I think uh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, and I'm thankful that that you chose this, or else you know we wouldn't have ever met up or whatever. <laughs> well, that <laughs> that kind of brings me around what you just said to to my basic question. You know, people are out and they're. You know, I see them. We have Moonshine Beach down here. Uh, they're out on their boats. They're fishing. And I bet you yeah. more than half of those people are not even wearing sunscreen. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. you know, I don't think people take skin sun safety 
you know, serious enough uh, because at the time, you know, I see people, you know, their their skin gets leathery when they get older. I mean, and, you, you know, and skin cancers do develop. Um, is, is there like an average? I mean, people are, the young people are out there in the, you know, getting all this sun, but how long does it really take for, you know, skin cancers to come up? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, by age 70, uh, which that's older than probably a lot of uh, uh, your listeners, I'm guessing, you know, but by age 70, uh, you know, about one in five people will have developed a skin cancer. Wow. Uh, and so, and that's in the United States. That's not just looking at worldwide, that's specifically the U.S. So mm-hmm. that's a, you know, that's a very significant proportion. That's 20% of people. And, um, uh, you know, so, uh, the it's a, so it is prevalent, and in terms of onset, um, I would say it, it used to be that the the average you know age of my patients was probably about sixty for their first skin cancer, uh, and uh, uh, and I still kind of think in that mode that you know okay well late fifties early sixties is probably going to be the most typical onset time, but I have uh, you know more and more patients and their 40s and even in their 30s with uh, with skin cancer, uh, and um, uh, just had uh, somebody today that we biopsied in their 30s for a possible uh, basal cell carcinoma on the the upper chest. And, oh uh, man! Uh, and and so uh, so I'm seeing more and more uh, of that now. We don't see too many folks in their uh, you know, in their teenage years with with melanoma or other types of skin cancer, uh, partly because there's definitely a cumulative type of damage that occurs over time as we get impacted by those ultraviolet rays. They cause mutations in the DNA and the skin cells. And our our, our body does a fairly good job, actually, of picking up these little uh, mutations and repairing them. But over time, there are an accumulation of unrepaired uh, defects that build up to cause a lot of those aging changes that we see and uh, then eventually uh, to uh, allow the development of, uh, of skin cancer. So, wow. uh, so yeah. there's a way and tear effect that happens, uh, you know, cumulatively over time. Well, well, that's probably what, you know, why some people in their, you know, 50s, 60s and 70s that have been laying out in the sun, their, their skin gets all leathery and there's really dark. It just basically they've just radiated their skin is what kind of what <laughs> I mean. I mean, do you yeah. think about it, you know? But we- yes, there's, it's very true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ultraviolet uh, light is, you know, in that electromagnetic spectrum of, of radiation. And, uh, and it is, in fact, doing that. And, of course, we're also subjecting our skin to heat rays. Now, that doesn't maybe have as much effect on uh, cancer development as, as far as we know. The, the heating of the skin and the, the infrared rays, uh, oh. which are also invisible, but they probably do have a significant effect on altering the uh, the, uh, the the look and the feel of the skin as far as aging changes are concerned, and particularly that kind of leatheriness that you uh, mm. that you mentioned earlier. Those rays penetrate more deeply into the skin, into the the second layer of the skin, which is called the dermis, and that's where those structural parts of our uh, of our skin that that, uh, that including collagen and uh, blood vessels and so forth, those are in that layer of the skin, and so as as those layers literally get cooked uh, to a certain degree. Those proteins get altered by that that chron- that heat and repeated heating, uh, and uh, and chain and elastic fibers in the skin get damaged and altered uh, to the point that we we lose skin elasticity. Uh, we lose the resiliency of the skin to injury. So you know, as people get older, they bump their arm on the desk or the corner of the door, and they get a big old bruise that you know when you know, years ah. before they, they 
never would have had that, or maybe the skin even uh, peels away or tears. And uh, uh, and again, that has a lot to do with the loss of that that uh, structural resiliency. And it's not just age; it's actually the these these chronic effects of the uh, of the sun and the heat on the skin over time. Will you'll people will notice those changes really happen on like for example the backs of the forearms and the hands. But that inside part of the forearm or uh, the inside part of the arm closer to the armpit that never gets any sun uh, or rarely gets sun, uh, it, that, that skin usually doesn't have those kinds of problems nearly to that same degree, at least not until many, many years later. You know, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so the sun makes a huge difference in those kinds of changes. Well, that kind of leads me to my, my next question. You know, people think... You know, they just have, they just should protect like their, their arm, just the, their forearm on the top or put it on your forehead and your nose. But I mean, you, you could really get burned. I mean, anywhere in your body, like, like you're saying underneath the arm where it doesn't, uh, you know, the, the leathery part, or, I mean, people don't think you know, the top of the ears. I mean, I never think of the top of my ears, you know, that could be in danger. Well, you know, I, I mean, right. I wear a cap, sure. not a hat, but a cap. But um, right. yeah, I mean, the, the, the back of the knees, I guess. I mean, if you, if you lay out, uh, you know, face down or something, you're, you're exposing a lot of your body to, to that. So, right. so what, what should people do with, if they, if they kind of notice, you know, like a, a mole or a growth or something on their hand, um, what should what should they do? Just watch it, or you know, if it changes or yeah, something. That's a, sure, that's a that's a great question, and you know, there's there there are different kinds of skin cancer, and and the most serious kind uh, that we encounter commonly is melanoma skin cancer. That is a cancer of the pigment cells, and, and of course, it's pigment cells that make up the molds that we see in our skin. Uh, and the, the technical term for those is melanocytes. So that's where that term melanoma comes from. It's a cancer of the melanocyte or the pigment cell. Ah. The reason we're so concerned about that one is because it's the one that's most prone to metastasize, which is to spread internally. And so uh, so melanoma has that potential to do that, to like a, a breast cancer or a lung cancer or, or a colon cancer. Uh, mm. And uh, But the advantage is, is that you have the opportunity, you know, as a individual or your doctor has an opportunity to make a much earlier diagnosis because it's out on this surface that you can see. And so, uh, so yeah, I think the, you know, the idea that if I see a, a new or changing kind of spot on my skin, you know, maybe that's important. And uh, of course, not everything that's new and changing on our skin is going to be cancerous, but uh, they right. have to, uh, over the years, they've looked at some signs for melanoma to try to help people uh, pick out uh, spots that might be uh, imp- might be uh, dangerous and um, the one thing I've, I've found is that a lot of people kind of have this idea that well if I get a cancer I'm just going to know it you know it's it'll it'll somehow send me a signal it'll tell me it's <laughs> a cancer and then I'll know I need to go see the doctor but uh, in fact uh, you know most melanomas at the at their most curable stages, don't have any symptoms. Uh, So they're not going to necessarily itch or burn or sting or bleed. And so if you kind of wait for some kind of a signal like that to develop, you could be uh, getting a more advanced cancer. Uh, So, yeah. So you mentioned about, you know, if you see something and that's really the key is to number one, you know, inspect the skin, uh, look at your own skin and get to know your own uh, moles and spots that you have. Because the the thing about melanoma is that it, it's a unstable cancer. It's not going to just sit there and do nothing. Uh, so, so it's going to grow new, and, and progress. It's and... going to grow. That's right. It's going to develop. You know, so it's going to change in size, shape, or color uh, over time. It's not just going to kind of sit there for twenty years and 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 look the same as it always has. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, so a new a new pigmented spot, a new colored spot on the skin that you haven't had previously, uh, is a, is a big clue because about half of melanomas come up as brand new spots that you've never had before. About the other half come up as changed 
changes or degeneration within a pre-existing mole. And so, uh, and so a, a new or a changing spot, either one could be important. And there okay. are some criteria that, uh, you know, for looking at any a particular spot at one point in time that have been nicknamed the ABCDs of melanoma. And uh, I can run through those if, if, you, if sure. you like, if that yeah. would be helpful. Everybody would love to know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, A stands for asymmetry. Uh, that's kind of not the most common everyday word, but it basically uh, something is symmetrical if you mentally sort of cut the thing in half and the two halves would look like mirror image matches of each other. Mm, okay. And so most moles, if you imagine or look at your own arm or, or your back or your leg, uh, you know, if you just imagine sort of making a cut through any of the middle of those, most of them are going to be they're sort of round or oval to start with. And so uh, a slice through the middle is going to kind of make two matching halves. So that's good. Asymmetry would be the, the, the if those two halves look different from each other, and the more different that they look, or the the harder it would be to eat, find any way to slice the mole in half without uh, without those two halves being different, the, that's uh, uh, that becomes more and more of a concern. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, so B uh, stands for border irregularity. So your most most of your normal moles on your body are going to have a nice sharp uh, edge to them. They're not going to be jaggedy and outline like the the coast of Maine or uh, right, you know, right. or uh, or something uh, like that. They're going to have a nice smooth outline. So something that if you look at a mole and you start imagining, uh, you know that it looks like. Something some other object like a horse or uh, the or Australia or Africa or right, uh, you yeah. know uh, a little man running you know those kinds <laughs> of uh, you know those kinds of things where you're starting to have a an ink blot test as you look at your mole that's a warning sign that mole's not not a, a normal shape then right. C stands for color uh, so. Most moles should be one even color throughout. What the concern with a mole is not whether it's a light brown or a medium brown or a dark brown per se, but whether that color is even and uniform. So moles that have varieties of colors within them, uh, different shades of brown, and, and then even uh, the, the lack of pigment, so a white spot within a mole or uh, a red area that uh, develops within a, within a mole, those huh. all can be uh, warning indicators of uh, something abnormal. So we like uniform color. Uh, and if there is occasionally a little, you know, dot, say, in the middle of your mole, and it, again, it's very symmetrical, that's not nearly as much of a concern as if you get some kind of, you know, irregular color area that's not in the center. So, right, right. Uh, so, and then finally, uh, the D stands for diameter. And uh, on average, most of our moles are going to be pencil eraser sized or smaller. So if you grab a pencil eraser, that's about six millimeters in diameter. And, and if you can cover up, you know, all of your moles with a pencil eraser, they're smaller than that. And that doesn't necessarily mean a funny-looking small mole should get a pass, okay? Right, if it's right. Got the, if it's asymmetrical and has a regular border and a variation of colors, even if it's half the size of a pencil eraser, it probably needs to be looked at. But uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, just because a mole is bigger than that, if it's been sitting there for 20 years and it happens to be half again as big as a pencil eraser and it's never changed and it doesn't have any other funny features, it's probably not so bad. But on average, most melanomas that are diagnosed are six millimeters or larger in size. So gotcha. a, big, a, big, a mole bigger than that with, you know, one or more of those sort of unusual features is going to be a a much more concerning mole that again should prompt somebody to get in to see their doctor and so so uh, we've got a and, b c and d all, correct. All these. Yes. And then E, we actually talked about first. There is oh, an E, e. And, that's, uh, and that's evolution or change over time. So we kind of ah. introduced that before the ABCDs. But uh, yeah, you know, so if a mole is stable, that's a good sign. If it's evolving, you know, uh, then that's a, that's an unstable mole, and that's one that needs to be uh, needs to be looked at. Yes. Well, I mean, everybody knows, for me, they see me on live casts and everything, but I have fair skin 
and my eyes are blue green. So and yeah. I I don't go out in the in the sun uh, that yeah. often. And when when I do, it's at a short distance or whatever. I've only been I would say heavily sunburnt twice in my life. Uh, when I was mm-hmm. fourteen, I went to the Bahamas. Didn't yeah. even realize it. Uh, it was in late spring. I uh, got blisters. Uh, mm. Yeah, at, at fourteen. Well, I'm in my mid fifties now. And another another yeah. time was about ten years ago. I went on a canoe trip, and it took a lot longer than I thought. And I was uh-huh. an idiot. I have to admit, I didn't put sunscreen. Now I had shading. I had you know wore the, the long sleeves and had the hat on. But, yeah. you know, it, it was supposed to take four and a half hours, and it took about 10 hours. So, it, so the sun right. was setting when we pulled into right. to the, the dock under there. But, but having a sunburn, let me ask you this. What, if someone was unfortunate to get a sunburn, what do you suggest they do? I mean, how, how do you treat that? Right, sure. Uh, well, you know, it, it depends a little bit on the severity and the and how extensive it is. So, you know, if it's just a little slight redness, uh, you know, and uh, there's no blistering, it's just over a limited area. Um, it's it may be a little bit uncomfortable for a short period of time. Uh, a person, you know, oftentimes can just soothe that with uh, with uh, cooling agents. I there's an over the counter. Um, uh, product that I would often recommend in that situation uh, that uh, would be a lotion that contains some menthol and camphor. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I can mention brand names, but the one that sure. I, the one that I mentioned uh, the, to, to my patients quite often is Sarna. Uh, that's spelled S-A-R-N-A, lotion, uh, and it's got some nice cooling menthol and camphor, which is going to be soothing for that. It's also very helpful for itchy skin. So if people are out and get bug bites and oh. mosquitoes, uh, Sarna is a, is a wonderful uh, agent that can be applied really as often as a person wants to for some itch and uh, burning, stinging relief. And so that's a, that's a nice thing to have. That's uh, great. It comes that's in a nice big bottle and you know can can be used frequently now if it if you know if you have a more extensive uh, burn and you're, a person is starting to kind of feel maybe a little sick maybe a little feverish which can sometimes happen because of the uh, some of the uh, cytokines that that damage uh, releases from our skin uh, it can make us feel like you know almost like you're kind of getting the flu then ah. you may want to take some uh, an anti-inflammatory like some ibuprofen or leave, uh, although those can actually make you more sensitive to the sun in terms of sunburning in the first place. So oh, keep, okay. Uh, keep that in mind if you have other expo- anticipate other exposures coming up. Uh, but uh, uh, but that can help to uh, alleviate that problem. I always encourage people to make sure if they do take those to stay really well hydrated because you don't want to damage your kidneys and to make sure also to take those with food because you don't want to irritate your stomach oh, yeah. uh, from uh, with those uh, products. Um, okay. But then, you know, the care for that uh, may, you know, a person may need to, uh, if they have blisters, uh, they may need to drain some of the fluid out of those blisters and then uh, apply an emollient, something that's going to help retain moisture because that damaged skin barrier is going to dry out. It's going to make it more uncomfortable. And so I like Vaseline or coconut oil oh, okay. uh, or nice emollients to put on those. And if you have raw areas from those blisters coming off, then to kind of hold that in place with a non-stick uh, bandage like uh, Telfa, which kind of has a little plasticky surface. Oh, can, yeah, Telfa patch, uh, right. Keep the ointment in place uh, without sticking to the base of those. You don't want to let so- have something there that then dries out and gets stuck, and then you have to pull it off that raw skin. It oh, yeah. terrible. No, that, w- that uh, was what, it, what we call ungood. Uh, we, right. that is so yeah. good. well, a lot of people uh, that, that come in, yeah. uh, they have sunburns and stuff. They go immediately to the aloe vera. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, mm-hmm. What's your thoughts yeah. on aloe? 
Well, I mean, I think it. I think if it if it feels nice, I don't really have a problem with aloe. Uh, it's you know, it's it's kind of in that cooling, soothing agent type of a thing. But if that skin is denuded, if that top of those blisters is peeling, has come off, and there's raw skin underneath there, uh, the aloe is not going to really help the healing of that uh, the way that. Uh, those emollients like the Vaseline and the coconut oil would do. That's you've got great to actually to know. rebuild new skin cells there. Yes, so, because so yeah, many people so. just want to run out and get that aloe, whatever, they, you know, and just smear it all yeah. over them. But, but it may not be the best thing, depending on what, like what you're saying. If it's a, a severe burn, you probably want to use the, right. the, the camphor and the, the, what, what, what did you say? The, yeah, the sarna with the menthol yeah. and the camphor, or the aloe for mild burns. I think those, you know, those would be for you know more on the mild side, and then, like I said, the more severe burns than the those uh, things like the ibuprofen by mouth, and then the uh, emollients on the surface of the skin. Well, now you you'd mentioned uh, the 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 really bad cancer, which is uh, the melanoma. But uh, we were talking a few weeks ago. I mean, aren't there? There's two other ones, right? There's the basal cell and the squamous cell. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, yeah, so squamous cell carcinoma and basal cell carcinoma. Those are much more common than melanoma. Uh, and actually, if you look at the statistics, um, more people die of squamous cell carcinoma each year than die of melanoma just because of the, the much higher numbers of those that are diagnosed. Uh, but uh, they're, uh, they are not cancers of the pigment cells of the skin, but cancers of the skin cells themselves. So the, ah. it's mutations in those epidermal cells, that outer layer of the skin, that uh, uh, the, when, those, when mutations happen in those cells, that's where you have the potential to get the basal cell carcinoma or the squamous cell carcinoma. Gotcha. Okay. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I'm glad... Excuse me. I'm glad when uh, when I see you, you you've got the nitrogen gun. You're ready every uh, every time. <laughs> and I used to be afraid of that, but I'm not anymore. And if people's if anyone's ever gone to a dermatologist before, I mean that's that's usually a good first step. Am I correct? I mean, if you have a a pre cancer, yeah. something that's not cancer yet, is just to freeze it off just right there. Correct. Yeah. So those things that we treat with that liquid nitrogen freezer uh, are um, actinic keratosis. Those are a precancer that can become squamous cell carcinoma. So oh. we're able to, you know, identify these spots that have directly have that potential to go bad and, and turn into one of those. So we uh, basically apply a little mini frostbite to each of those places and uh, that kills that outer layer of skin cells with cold and they blister up and scab over and, and fall off and they may leave you with a little whitish spot where they were, but uh, uh, most of the time that uh, that particular spot uh, doesn't come back and, and have the opportunity to become the, the squamous cell carcinoma skin cancer. Good. And, and people uh, should not be afraid of the liquid nitrogen. I mean, it it's actually not painful. It stings a little bit, but that sting just goes away like within 10 seconds. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you're... You're you're tough and you're tolerant, and that is that oh, is that's, really that's good. A difference. You know, I, there there are some people that do have a challenge, you know, tolerating. Oh, really? And I I wouldn't minimize that because but, you know for those folks be, because uh, everybody perceives you know pain differently. That's and so true. There is, yes, it is it, it is somewhat painful, and you know I we're you know talking about numbers, and I you know I had somebody today that we did over 40 of those, you know, in oh, one wow. office visit. And, um, you know, at, you know, two or three, not so bad, you know, having 40 at a time, uh, that's a lot for, you know, somebody who, uh, who has average tolerance to, to handle. And this person happens to have a very high pain tolerance. And so they were able to put up with that, but not everybody, you know, can do that. And so that, that's, that's why true. people I'm, I'm need to see their dermatologist more frequently. Yeah, yes. Well, I go uh, every single single year every single year unless mm -hmm. i'm asked to come back more often but yeah it's really really good to have to go and see a dermatologist once a year 
have them have them check you over, make sure nothing is is going on because the last thing people want to get is a basal cell, squamous cell, or or God forbid, melanoma, cancer. Right. You need to get right. that taken right. care of. Well, I guess my last question for you is sunscreen. People should wear yeah. sunscreen. What, in your opinion, would be the best sunscreen? out there i mean spf 5000 or you know there's so many (laughs) so many numbers out there you know (laughs) yeah yeah and of course yeah unfortunately we get a lot of conflicting information from you know various sources saying well you don't need you know to use over a 15 or you know all those kinds of things so yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of mixed messages out there about sunscreen yeah well let me uh, let me just start by saying sun protective clothing we were talking you were talking about clothing on your on your canoe trip earlier and yes. you know sun protective clothing wins over sunscreen every time uh, you know I bet on that canoe trip chances are you didn't burn anywhere that you kept covered with clothing that's right uh, uh, and uh, and you know, and clothing just always works better with sun than sunscreen does. And now there's so many clothes out there that are designed to be cooling as well as ultraviolet protective. And those then those clothes that have fabric that's been tested, they'll say UPF some number. And oh. if it says UPF. 30 or above, then that clothing has a good ability to absorb ultraviolet light, even if it's otherwise light and cool. And so I I try to encourage people, cover up everything that you can with something that's light and cool like that. But if you're tanning through a piece of clothing, uh, then that is not protective enough. So those real thin white cotton t-shirts that that you sometimes see folks wearing, that you hold it up to the sun and it just, you could, you could, see right through it or you could read a newspaper through exactly. it that's not, yes. that's not a you can't that's not protecting you from the sun so wow. uh, but then for sunscreen you know uh, I think you know you're I don't really have one particular brand or one particular product to recommend I think there are a lot of good ones and I use consumer reports reviews actually to help me uh, recommend to my patients you know what sunscreen for this particular year uh, is perform is likely to perform well but we look for a SPF sun protective factor of I recommend 50 or above for everybody. Uh, you know, some people will tell me I'll put a 15 on my you know arms. I'll put a 30 on my face, and you don't have to make it that complicated. Just go <laughs> for a 50 plus everywhere, um, uh-huh. and make sure it also says broad spectrum because that means it also blocks the UVA rays, which are uh, sort of the stealth rays of the sun. They're kind of the we think of them as the aging rays. We think of the UVB rays as the burning rays of the sun. And that SPF number really only tells you how well it protects UVB rays. Uh, oh, okay. the, uh, uh, the, the word broad spectrum means that it's been tested also to include good protection in the UVA range. See, and then beyond that, I think it's good to know that, you know, uh, sprays uh, of sunscreen tend to go on awful thin. And so sunscreen sprays usually need at least two layers and a and a smearing around of the sunscreen in between the, those the application of those two layers to be able to get uh, the number that you're seeing on the label. So in general, lotions or or gels uh, are more are going to give you protection with just one layer. But it does need to be generous. It's uh, it's best to use about uh, you know about two tablespoons if you were going to cover the whole body. Uh, about two tablespoons, uh, which is about Oh. about one ounce uh, to cover the whole body. So, uh, so that's, that, that, that's, that's probably more generous than what a lot of people use. And that's one of the reasons sunscreens can fail. Uh, and the other is that, you know, they wash off and they also just get used up. And so after about two hours of exposure, their absorbing capacity is just used up, even if you've been dry. Oh. Uh, 80 minutes in the water is the most water-resistant sunscreen that you'll find. And they have to now put that on the label, what they're claiming for water resistance. Uh, and it's either going to be, you know, none, 40 or 80 minutes. And uh, so that means every 
you know, if you have an 80 minute resistant sunscreen, that means every 80 minutes, if you're at the lake, you're hopping in and out of the water, or you're just out in the garden sweating heavily, uh, then you have to, you need to reapply that sunscreen every 80 minutes to keep up the, the protection. Because I've always heard wiping that. you're a lot of sweat off in between, you're wiping your sunscreen away too. Yeah, so, yeah. I've always heard that. People, you know, they'll go to the pool and then they say, well, I have to reapply my sunscreen. But that that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I love it when those lifeguards, if they, you know, if you're at the pool where there's a lifeguard and they blow that whistle, you know, once an hour to have people get out of the pool and have a break, mm-hmm. put that sunscreen on before you get back in again. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you know, we don't want to say, you know, tell people, you know, don't be afraid of the sun. Don't go out and have a good time. Right. Just right. make sure, protect yourself so you don't have to go through, you know, getting a, a cancer excised. Uh Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think most people are going to be happier, healthier as a whole person, you know, with outdoor activity. And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm a huge advocate for people getting out of doors and and doing those uh, those things that help them to be, uh, you know, happy and healthy physically. And, you know, if a person can avoid uh, the, the, the sun about two hours before and two hours after uh, that uh, that uh, uh, that point where the sun's at its zenith, uh, which is going to be a little different if it's daylight savings versus uh, right. you know, versus <laughs> not. Uh, but if they can avoid the sun for two hours before and after, you're missing about more than sixty percent of the of the UVB rays of the day right there. Uh, okay. So if you can do more activities earlier in the morning, more in the later in the afternoon, uh, you're not going to have nearly as much of a challenge uh, getting your your sunscreen and your sun protective clothing to work for you as you will at that uh, at the middle of the day. And, uh, and that's when people should mow their lawns in the early morning or late yeah. at night. Number one, yeah. uh, less sun. Yeah. Number two, it's cooler. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we didn't even talk about things like heat stroke and all that. That goes beyond the the dermatology realm, but uh, all those, yeah, all of those things can can occur. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, our listeners know on our podcast and on our website, uh, I do uh, little weather schools, and we strongly suggest people to go and look at that. I've got one about heat. Uh, Actually, we've got about 30 or 40 different weather schools out there. And uh, so we need to check that out. Dr. Wilbers, this has been just thrilling. I'm so glad you decided to come on the, the special guest segment today. And uh, I hope you had a good time. Oh, I did. It was great. And it's, uh, it's, always, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun. And I'm, you know, I, I'm passionate about uh, trying to educate my patients. And so a lot of the things that we talked about today are things that I'm, uh, you know, uh, telling people in the office every day. So I, I hope it's been uh, helpful to uh, your listeners and that uh, there'll be uh, uh, a lot of fewer people with uh, uh, problems with their skin from the sun this uh, this summer as a result. Oh, I, I I hope nobody has any any issues. And you know, if you've never seen a dermatologist, go see a dermatologist. Just get yourself checked, get a baseline, make sure nothing's going on. Matter of fact, I got to admit, since we were sitting here doing doing the interview, I've been looking at my moles, uh, just making sure that none <laughs> of them have have grown. And <laughs> so I'm being very aware of that. Uh, well. Again, thank you. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to really take this, hopefully, to heart and use sunscreen and cover up when they're out on the pool and stuff. So uh, we'll have to have you back sometime. All right. Well, I'd, I'd sure appreciate uh, the opportunity, and uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'll just mention if people would like to get some more information, either about skin cancers or sun protection. Uh, the American Academy of Dermatology uh, has a website online, aad.org, and there's Perfect. public information there. And then the Skin Cancer Foundation, uh, I think, has some really good information specifically honed in on skin cancer. And that's 
very easy, skincancer.org. So, and they'll, they'll have uh, photos so and everything be, there too? So people can go and there look? There are photos, there are information sheets and uh, uh, statistics about skin cancer. There's uh, a whole uh, variety of information at both of those sites. So, yeah. Awesome. awesome. And the AAD, AAD.org also has a lot of information about many other kinds of skin disorders as well. So if people are looking for resource on other things besides skin cancer in the sun, that's a, that's a great choice as well. Perfect. Perfect. Go to those websites. We will put, put a link up on uh, our website as well. Uh, so people can get directed to that. So excellent. Well, I look forward to seeing you on our next visit. So thanks again. Stormguard special guest. And now you should know everything about how to protect your skin from the sun. That was enlightening. Yes. Enlightening or enlightening? <laughs> <laughs> yes, enlightening, enlightening. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I'm fair-skinned. You, you've got uh, some Native American in you. So. I'm still fair-skinned. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you burn, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I burn, too. I, I have some friends that could just stay out in the sun all the time. Just makes me really mad. See, my mom is not Native American. She is completely white girl, just like, well, I look at that she can go out in three minutes and be burnt. Like, oh, my man. dad, I've never known to get a sunburn once. No way. So, yeah. Yeah, so you can only go out for a little bit. Yeah, well, I make sure I put the stuff on if I'm going to be out there. That's why I do most of my swimming in my pool after 5 o'clock. Oh, don't that's have to worry about it. Oh, speaking of your pool, it's open. It's ready it? to go. Yeah, it's cold still. <laughs> now, now, past couple of days it's been a little warmer. Okay, so the water temperatures are a little warmer. It's at least it's above seventy now. The the water is so yeah. I like to get it about eighty, but it'll take some time for that. Well, that's fine. It's kind of like kind of like swimming in the lake, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's time for our next segment, which is This Week in Weather History. So, Corey, what you got? This Week in Weather History, 134 years ago, back on April 18th. Wow. Marshfield, Missouri was hit by a day of massive destruction. Nearly the entire town was wiped out in a cyclone. That also killed 10% of the town's population. In just 60 seconds... 75% of the town was destroyed. 10% of Marshfield's population had been wiped out, and 105 people were wounded. Wow. And this was in 1880. So oh, pretty much my. destroyed the entire town. A tornado. Uh, no, a cyclone back then. Right. Well, no, it was probably still, I mean, 1880, that was before the word tornado ever was banned. So, you know. Oh, okay. So it's still a tornado back then. Yeah. Wow. If they knew what to call it back then. A lot of them just called it a cyclone back then, you know? Yeah. Well, like I said, my grandmother, it's always a cyclone. Yeah. Or a twister or whatever. Wow. And that's close to home. Webster County, Missouri. Just, you know, east of Springfield. I'm curious what their population was back then. Not sure. 10% was destroyed, uh, uh, died, so. Ugh. But they're showing, you know, they had huge buildings. I mean, there's a lot of destruction. They have I've seen some pictures online. So, I mean, it was an established town back in 1880. I don't know how old Marshfield is, but uh, it must be, you know, an old town. Yeah. Well, in Springfield, Springfield's been there for forever. Third largest city in the, in Missouri. It Doesn't the census come back out soon? Next year. Next year. Yeah, I'm curious because Branson went from 3,000 when I moved down here it was like 3300 and then the next census came out and it was over 10000 yeah and they also keep expanding the the borders of Branson too ah oh. that's changed quite a bit in the past 20 some years so yeah we have millions of visitors here so yeah. you know us, us, us little local folk you know you got to know those back roads <laughs> Okay, well, I think it's time for the next segment. It's the weather word of the week. And this week's Stormdar weather, weather word of the week is... It's the UV index. Which is? Well, the UV index is an international standard of measurement of the strength of sunburn-producing ultraviolet radiation at a particular place in time. Wow. Okay, wait a minute. There we go. Very good. 
Very good. So yeah, everybody looks at the UV index, and we need to post something on our site about that UV index. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's kind of pointless to put it in the podcast because it's going to change every day. But, you know, it might be kind of something to add to our website, our website, stormdoorweather.com. So go and visit there. Uh, yeah. You know, they say, you know, I, I, I look at that UV index, and I sometimes have been known to buy, you know, sunscreen with an SPF of 55 or above. Yeah. But they tell that what I've read is you could buy 30 and above and you're just fine. I don't, I don't know for sure, but uh, well, they say you're fully protected at 30. Yeah. Well, Dr. Weber suggested 50. Really? Uh, 50. I mean, you know, but the trick is if you put it on and then you go swimming, reapply. you got to reapply. Right. You got you, you to gotta keep going. And if you're going to be out in the sun, the best time to be out in the sun, if you've got, got to be out in the sun, is not during the middle of the day. So but in that you know, 11 to 3 or 10 to 4 in the, in the extreme summer, try to avoid those, those areas. You know, we talked about mowing the lawns. Do it early in the morning. Number one, you don't get a lot of sun radiation. Number two, it's cooler if it's going to be in the summer, you know, or do it late later in the evening. Uh, so, yeah, if you have any questions, we're going to put the links to the websites that Dr. Wilbur's mentioned in the uh, podcast uh, text description. That's what it is. I never know what you call it. I write it, and it's like, I don't know what I'm Sounds supposed good. to write. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> okay, well, you got anything else for this episode? Um. I don't. Uh, looking ahead, yeah, we've got some really nice uh, podcasts coming up that we've been working on. Yes, we've been putting in our pocket and saving. Yes, uh, remembering Joplin, and these are going to be much deeper, much more informative than our normal podcasts are. A little bit of a might pull at your heartstrings a little bit. Exactly, and lots of stuff. I mean, you, you and I have uh, been uh, interviewing people. This is a special in the month of May, the Remembering Joplin. Uh, we are interviewing all sorts of people, from professionals to personal experiences, and it's 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 fascinating. And, and you learned something that you didn't know before, hopefully. I learned a ton. Right, me too. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be our podcast series. I wanted to call it a PodQ series, or... I think I'm, I settled on pod series. That's just... That's great. Yeah. You know, like docu-series, it's a pod, but nah. I'm sure there's a word out for that somewhere. There's I mean, got to be. Been, <laughs> podcasts have been around for quite a while now, so I'm sure that word exists somewhere. Uh, I'm sure it does, you know, but I'm, I'm definitely going to settle on pod series, so we're going to say the pod series. Uh, so look forward to those. It'll be our, uh, our drop in the month of May, and tell your friends this is very, very interesting what we got going. So we'll have next week week and we'll have some fun next week probably have some really cool things to share with everybody uh and then we'll do our remembering joplin pod series awesome <laughs> all right you got anything else nope. okay well let's wrap this thing up uh, be sure to look for us on facebook at stormdar weather like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your news feed you can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Also, be sure and check out our website at stormdarweather.com. Well, that does it for this time, so join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>